Welcome everybody to Victory Circle Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Wilson. Today, our guest is Frank Carvajal. And Frank has a remarkable story. He's a beacon of leadership for the Latino community. He's founder and president of Estiempo, It's Time, founder of the Silicon Valley Latino Leadership Summit, which brings the top thought leaders throughout the country to the Silicon Valley. Welcome, Frank. Thank you, Jason. Thank you. And thank you to all your guests listening in to uh, your podcast and your show. I'm very honored to be here. Oh, uh, this this is such an honor for me, Frank. I, I've been waiting for this for like a year. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I'm so glad, you know, one of the things about, uh, you know, we, we talked about in the in the green room is the fact that, uh, you know, having kids, uh, the flexibility and understanding is what I always say is part of leadership when you, uh, you know, have kids and you understand uh, that there's um, a flexible schedule needed to be ingrained in your daily life, then um, that elevates a person's leadership even more so. And I thank you because I know you you have, you have a son and I really appreciate your um, your understanding and flexibility. And now I'm ready to <laughs> rock and roll. Okay, great. So yeah, that's no problem, Frank. I know how it is. <laughs> <laughs> So, Frank, well, I, I like you. to start with everybody's um, life path. How does your uh, life path start, though? What did you want to be when you grew up? You know, that's a great question because, uh, you know, one of the things for me is as many um, listeners, uh, they get to uh, share their story about their parents being immigrants from, uh, you know, living here in the United States. I know you're from Atlanta. So my parents, uh, immigrants from Mexico, uh, they arrived to California before I was born, I'm the youngest of five. So they got to this place known as Imperial Valley, which is in Southern California. And this weekend, uh, all week, is there's a heat wave. And oh my goodness, it's reaching up to the high 110s, 115s. And for, for my parents, coming as farm workers, they came under a Bracero program. I was born in 1969. And my mom always reminded me that I was born with that resiliency. And I asked her when I was an adult, why is that? And reflecting on it, was she worked in that hot, blistering sun. I was born on June 19th, 1969. She worked up until her third trimester, almost died out in that heat. And uh, being born, I just, you know, chose a path later in life because uh, Jason and everyone listening, for me, I didn't have that roadmap. You know, I'm a first gen, a first gen being uh the first to graduate from college, the first generational professional. But that roadmap didn't happen until um, later in life. And that was in high school. And that was through, uh, you know, my track coach, my track coach. Uh, he saw how disciplined I was and how eager I was to be the, the fastest runner. And he ingrained in me, I want you to be that disciplined and that focused in his biology class. And so Mr. Paul Kilkenny, not being Latino, a white man, took interest in me because uh, I found out later in life that his wife is Latina. So his son is Latino, you okay. know, biracial. His son's biracial. So for me, it's about equity. And, you know, I learned about equity after college. And see, as a first gen, we learn these lessons afterwards because it's not that we're imposters. Because, you know, sports really shaped me to be a competitor and be, you know, involved in teams. But 
it really goes to look and analyze our awareness of what what is it like to be first gen why is it difficult why is it a challenge and for me you know after uh graduate school i always felt uh, jason and everyone listening that it is important to galvanize your community whether it's brown black asian whatever community you feel is being inequitable in terms of uh racism you know, I like to be transparent. I like to be honest because there's a lot of it going on. Yeah. We really have to come. We really have to come together. And in the early 2000s, I, you know, I had a great conversation with my dad and I talked to him about this dream of wanting to put a book together, my first book. And my dad in Spanish says, pues mijo, ya es tiempo. And so <laughs> es tiempo was really ignited and inspired by the wisdom of my dad. And so in 2001, I formed a sole proprietorship. In 2007, I formed an LLC because in 2008, my first book was published. Oh, that's phenomenal. Thank you. I, I put it in a nutshell because I know, uh, you know, with the bandwidth of our time, we could talk for hours, but I want everyone to know, listening, that uh, we all have that common thread of of thriving and, and understanding that we all are challenged with, uh, you know, obstacles and circumstances. If uh, we have parents who are immigrants coming to the United States. Yes, absolutely. So speaking of challenges and obstacles, Frank, um, when the pandemic hit, how did you um, deal with that as far as your career was concerned? You know, uh, for me, I, uh, I'm very fortunate that, you know, my wife, she works with uh, the County of uh, Public Health, and she was uh, she was one of the first responders in terms of uh, emergency management and understanding that this global pandemic was serious. It was something that uh, we couldn't take lightly. We had to pivot in ways that were really digging deep as entrepreneurs. So as an entrepreneur, I right away knew that uh, as many of us, you know, podcasters, I started a podcast early on in 2020 with a gentleman by the name of Carlos Gonzalez was the primary uh, person behind, you know, hosting the podcast. And it was an Estiempo with Frank show every Friday. And the reason being, uh, Jason, is because my meat and potatoes is really my Silicon Valley Latino Leadership Summit, which is bringing people together in person. And so, you know, we all thought with COVID and the pandemic, oh, yeah, it's going to last three months. It's going to last, you know, some people said three weeks and three months and then six months. And then when we understood how serious and the severity of how many people we lost and relatives and friends, we understood that as a humanistic leader, as a person that believes in people first, I didn't want to have an in-person event. So I had that example with Frank, which was really keeping people together in tune with my show every Friday. And um, as it went on, as we looked at the pandemic, it went from six months of postponing the summit to 12 months of postponing the summit to 18 months of postponing the summit. Wow. And guess what? Now, I, now at the two and a half year mark, Yes, we're going to have the summit October 8th, which is uh, five weeks from today. 
Oh, that's from great. This week. Yeah, Wonderful. Yeah. And, and so in terms of um, income and, you know, really working um, on my business, I was consulting and was working through, uh, you know, webinars and uh, really understanding that within us, in terms of pivot, there has to be action. It's not just stepping back and looking at the big picture of how could we um, really execute on a plan. It really is um, asking questions around you in your industry. For example, I always believe podcasters really need to come together and share resources, share you know, folks that they've interviewed and say, hey, you know, I would like you to interview this person of, of interest for your next show because it really goes with the theme. And I think that um, selfless leadership is the best type of leadership in any pandemic because we've learned from this one that uh, we'll be more prepared for the next one. But at the same time, we always have to be aware that sharing really is about um you know, the collaborative spirit of action, not just the words, but the action. Yes, I agree 100%. Um, Frank, how did you come up with the idea for the summit? Oh, I love that question. I, I I go with the same thing as this pandemic, that, you know, there was a crisis. And so in 2009, guess what? There was a market crash. There was a crisis in housing. And you remember where it was a transition from uh, President Obama uh, taking you know, taking the ranks in right. 2009. And uh, wow, he, did he do a tremendous job from 2009 to 2010? Well, my book, my first book was published in 2008. And in 2009, that's when action started happening, but everything slowed down. And so many folks that we consider today millennials, or today would be Generation Z, weren't purchasing my book in, in Barnes and Noble. And now Back then, there was a border books, but now with Amazon, folks really weren't purchasing. So it slowed down sales. So I went to uh, an executive mentor of mine who's in my book, my first book, a person by the name of Mr. Dick Gonzalez. And we had lunch and I had asked him, um, you know, pivoting what uh, he thought of. And he says, hey, have you thought of um, a leadership summit? And that's uh, folks who don't necessarily want to purchase your book yet. They have to hear from some of the leaders that are in your book so that could really inspire them to say, hey, you know, these guys are these guys and women that are in this book are amazing leaders. Let's purchase Frank's book. Mm -hmm. So the idea was shaped and the platform was really based off of my first book, Building the Latino Future. And the first summit took place on Sand Hill Road, which is known as the venture capital mecca of the world. And uh, the first summit. It was intentional to only invite 150 people because Jason, I really didn't want to, it, it was, it was a huge undertaking. It really is putting yourself out there. I didn't want to be embarrassed if I only 15 people showed up, for example, right. yeah. you know, we're human. We have feelings. We have a lot of feelings. And so when I noticed that there was five weeks prior to that summit happening, which was in May of 2010, it sold out within five weeks before, yeah, the, the, the summit took place. Wow. And, you know, the, yeah, so the intimacy and the thought leadership of the 150 people, a gentleman by the name of Michael Lopez approached me afterwards, and he's like, hey, let's take it to a bigger venue. Let's take it to Stanford Faculty Club. 
So from the second annual to the 10th annual, which was pre-COVID in 2019 was the last summit before the one next month. Uh, it was, they all have been sold out. So for the 11th summit, I've planned the computer history museum, which is uh, going from the first one, 150 to the uh, second to the 10th was um, close to 300. And this uh, one happening in five weeks is 400 folks that is sold out. That's fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. So Frank, I have a question for you for people that are here in Columbia. You know, a lot of uh, my students, I've been an ESL English teacher for almost 20 years now. And uh, the majority of my students have always been executives at companies, international companies. And right now, a lot of people want to leave Columbia and go to the United States or Canada or maybe England to live. What's your advice uh, to people that want to leave here and relocate to other countries? Yeah, you know, I think it's uh, important to really build um, your presence uh, on LinkedIn, for example. If uh, there's folks uh, in Colombia and Venezuela or uh, Chile or even Peru, which are um, countries with companies that have ties to, say, the Silicon Valley, where I live, it's important to really build your presence on uh, LinkedIn, but build it with uh, what I call authenticity, meaning that being yourself, not having this um, facade that, hey, I want to be in the U.S., by next month, or I want to be in the U.S., you know, in two months or three months, because things take time. And what I mean by that, the time is by building relationships. So it's important that not only build your presence on LinkedIn, but by building relationships is to connect with individuals that really believe in not only your professional growth, but potentially, you know, hiring you on as a person within their company. And, you know, one of the things that you had mentioned is teaching English as a second language. It's also important for an individual in Colombia to be human, authentic, and let that person know that their skill set is having two languages, you know, knowing Spanish and learning English professionally. So, in other words, on their LinkedIn when there's an area of languages, put um, English speaking professional level, uh, but of course, primary language, Spanish speaking, because yes. it shows a true sense of authenticity and, you know, and, and really understanding that that person has a lot to offer, but it's not only the presence of being on uh, LinkedIn, but also branding. That is wonderful advice. Frank, you know, I wish we had another 30 minutes to talk, but I know you have to go. Uh, I'm going to have to have you back on the show, though. Oh, yeah. No, I, I would love to be back on your show. I know uh, one of the things that I want to mention to your audience, especially uh, folks in Colombia, is uh, there's two uh, favorite uh, Latin American countries of mine. Uh, first is my parents' home country of Mexico. And then second, uh, you know, well, my wife, uh, you know, she's her mom's from El Salvador, but Colombia. Colombia is just such a wonderful giving country as far as, you know, giving folks uh, opportunities. I just want to mention that I was given the opportunity to speak to uh, some of the largest com companies in Colombia in Spanish. And that really um, provided me with a platform and confidence to speak in Spanish when I speak to country uh, companies here in the United States. 
Oh, that's awesome, man. I, I know that uh, everyone in my network that's from Columbia is going to love that. <laughs> oh, no, no. Thank you. I'm I'm so uh, happy to be on with you. And uh, yeah, let's uh, have a sequel. Sounds good. We got to do it. So, Frank, thank you so much for being on the show. And I will be back in touch with you very soon. Ladies and gentlemen, Frank Carvajal. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for watching Victory Circle Podcast. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel.